don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, True Crimes and Storytimes. I'm Kirsten. I'm Michelle. And uh, we're back with part two of the story that I started last week called My Job is Watching a Woman Trapped in a Room. So in the first part, I read parts one and two of this five-part series. Left us on a cliffhanger. A little bit of a cliffhanger. But we get answers in this part. Let's get it. So in this episode, I'm going to read parts three and four. Okay. And then next week will be the finale. Gotcha. Okay. So let's just get right into it. Let's go. Okay. She hesitated a moment before breaking into a smile. Is that what you call me? I like it. My name is actually Melanie, though. I felt my face reddening. Of course, her name wasn't actually Rachel. That was just something I made up in my head. Still, my embarrassment couldn't keep up with my confusion and joy. Is it really you? She nodded. Yeah, it's me. Rachel. Melanie. Grunted. As I stepped forward and started hugging her. Laughing, she hugged me back for a moment. But then she whispered in my ear. Thomas, we need to talk and not out here. Can we go inside? I broke away and nodded, wiping at my eyes as I tried to finish unlocking the door with a shaking hand. My heart was pounding, and I still feel like I was in a strange and wonderful dream. But when we had gotten inside and sat down on my living room sofa, I forced myself to focus on the biggest question I had. How? Melanie had still been smiling as we sat down but now she looked worried and sad. Thomas, that's what I'm here to tell you. Things aren't like you think they are. They never have been. I frowned, a new line of fear cutting through my happy haze. What do you mean? She held the bridge of her nose for a moment, looking down like she was trying to figure out how to say whatever it was she had to say. Thomas, you're part of the psychological experiment. I've been a part of it for longer than you have as one of the actors, and I still don't know all the details. I'm pretty sure it's run by some government agency, and I know they're investing a lot of money and time into it, but for what reasons, that I'm not sure. I realized I was wringing my hands. No, that wasn't right. It couldn't be right. This was some kind of trick. Melanie went on. What I do know is that you're being watched as a long-term subject. They have constructed this whole scenario where you do a secret job watching someone, me, who looks like they might be trapped. They give you instructions and a way of making choices. You've got buttons or something you can choose between, right? I nodded weakly, my tongue thick in my throat. 
Yeah, a red one and a green one. She sighed and nodded. I think they're testing how much you'll obey, what choices you'll make based off of your morals, your intelligence, and your fear. It's interesting, or at least I thought so when I first joined up six years ago. They've never officially given me many details, just the overall gist. But people talk. The other actors and me. Sometimes we hear things and we gossip. She smiled sadly. That's what caused me to start feeling bad. I interrupted. Other actors? Melanie's eyes widened. Oh shit, yeah, sorry. I think they call him Mr. Solomon, and there are others too. When I just stared at her, she went on. Anyway, for a long time it was just the normal job, right? I spend six hours a day acting like I'm this trapped girl, mainly faking painting or watching TV. You know, boring stuff. I couldn't help but interrupt again, hating the hurt trembling in my voice. You fake the painting? You aren't really painting those wonderful pictures. Now Melanie looked embarrassed. No, sorry. I can't paint a bit. I'm a pretty good singer, though. She tried to smile, but faltered. Reaching forward, she touched my arm. That's why they always have paintings turned where you can't see them. They're already done beforehand. All you ever see is some blank canvases and, well, when they want me to show you something. Her expression darkened as she went on. That's why I had to break the rules and contact you. When they started doing this hidden message, mind game bullshit, I got worried. Worried you would take it too serious. That you could get hurt, or even hurt yourself. As soon as you left your shift tonight, I talked to one of the guys in the video department. He told me about how you had reacted. Showed me how you were still parked down the street from the building. I drove over. The bedroom set is in a building outside of town. I saw you sitting in your car, and I almost approached you then, but I was scared of getting caught and fired. So I parked and waited until I could follow you somewhere else, and then let you know I was okay. She blinked back tears. I'm ashamed to say I almost left a couple of times. I don't want to lose this job, and I tried to tell myself you would be okay after a day or two. I could get them to change the script enough that you felt like I was okay and wouldn't worry too much. I felt angry heat growing in my chest. Well, that's nice of you. She looked up, her eyes red. I know, I'm a shit. I'm so sorry. I was being selfish and cowardly, but I didn't actually leave. And then when I saw Charlie leaving the building, I saw you run over to talk to him, and I knew they were escalating it even further. Charlie? Melanie rolled her eyes in frustration. Shit, yeah, sorry. Charlie Jeffries. He's another actor. In an earlier version of the experiment, he actually played Mr. Solomon. But they decided he wasn't scary enough. So now he's usually in one of the suits. He's actually done that for your version a lot. You just can't recognize him under all that get-up they wear. I kept curling and uncurling my hands on my lap. It was all too much. I felt like a pinball going between anger and relief and embarrassment and confusion. So all that stuff he told me, that was all just to scare me? See how I'd react? She nodded as she sniffed and wiped her nose with the back of her hand. Yes, I'm sorry. That's why I knew I couldn't wait any longer to tell you. I could see how worried and scared you were going back to your car. 
I pulled my arm back from her touch. Well, thanks, I guess. At least you stopped me before I went to the police and looked like a joke in front of them, too. I just wanted her gone. Her sympathetic, pitying eyes off me. Thanks for stopping by and letting me in on it. I tried to make my voice sound hard and unfeeling, but it came out watery instead. Standing up, I turned away from her so she couldn't see as I started to cry. If you don't mind, I, uh, I need time to think about everything. It's a lot. A moment passed, and then her hand was on my shoulder. Thomas, you don't have anything to be embarrassed about. They are very good at what they do. All you did was what you thought was right, because you're a good man. I shrugged. I thought that you were in trouble, and I wanted to help. She gently turned me toward her, and when I looked up, she smiled and sniffed again. I know, but you need to realize, most people wouldn't have tried to help. Not when it meant giving up their job or risking themselves like that. Not for a stranger. I wiped at my face as I looked away. Well, I still feel dumb, but I'm glad it's not real. I'm glad you're okay. That we both are. I paused and caught her eye again. We are, aren't we? Safe, I mean. She hesitated before nodding. Yeah, I think so. Like I said, they have a lot invested in whatever this is, and the fact that they're willing to go as far as they have with you makes me wonder, but I've never seen any signs of anyone getting hurt. I think the worst that could happen is one or both of us gets fired. I felt my face getting red again. Oh, don't worry about that. I'm going to quit tomorrow. I'll finally get to hit their damn buttons. Maybe both of them. I started to smile. But then I saw the look on Melanie's face. Thomas, please don't do that. I don't think they would hurt us, but if you up and quit, they'll figure out I've talked to you. I don't think they watch us all the time, but I don't know what they can find out. You know, tracking cell phones, spy satellites, whatever. I'm taking a big risk just being here, and I don't want them catching on. I took a step back from her. So you want to keep getting paid to trick people like me. She reached out and grabbed my right hand. I had been clenching it unconsciously, and it relaxed at her touch. No, I don't want to, but I wasn't expecting this, how the experiment has changed, getting to actually meet you. I can't do it long term, but another month or two just to save up money? Now that you're in on it and won't be scared or hurt by it anymore. She smiled. That I can do. That we can both do. We can keep going like normal, take some more of their money, and then one of us can quit. The next month, the other one can. How's that sound? I shrugged uncertainly. It made some sense, and once I had calmed down, it would probably make more. She gave my hand a squeeze. And when this is all over, I want to get to know you better. I know I've been playing a role, but for the most part, that's been me you've been watching all this time. I think it's only fair I get to see more of you, too. She blushed, assuming you're interested in that. I felt my hand growing clammy in hers as my stomach fluttered. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I would really like that. Swallowing, I added, how long do we have to wait to see each other again? Melanie grinned at me. Work another month or so. Save what you can. And then quit. I'll wait another two or three weeks, and then I'll do the same. And then? 
She looked up at the ceiling as she pondered it for a moment, and I was struck again by how beautiful she was, even if she was a little different in person than I had imagined. Three months from tonight, we'll be right here. I'll come over and we can start getting to know each other better. How's that sound? Returning her smile, I nodded. That sounds great. When she left a couple minutes later, part of me hated to see her go, but another part of me was relieved. I was so exhausted, and while I was so happy she was okay and we had finally met, I feel like the burned-up wire in an old light bulb. I needed time alone, time to think and calm down, and most of all, time to rest. I didn't really even remember falling asleep, and when I woke up, I realized my alarm had been buzzing for over 30 minutes. I jumped up and raced to get to my shift at work. As she had been leaving, Melanie had stressed again how we needed to act completely the same. That meant not freaking out, but it also meant not acting like everything was okay either. If I suddenly showed no signs of being worried about her, that would tip them off too. I promised, and she left after a brief hug and kiss. Remembering that now, through the haze of my tiredness the night before, it felt like a dream. Okay, I just want to add... A hug and a kiss, and you just met this person? Yeah. Also, I'm... I just want to add, I was right. What? When we left off last week, and I said, I think it's an experiment of him. I was right. Mm. And I didn't even read it, I promise. Were you right? Well, she said that he's being watched. We're not done yet. I know, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He was being watched, I... so it's obviously, he is part of the experiment. <laughs> to an extent, he is. You're not wrong. See? Mm, but told it's you. not what you think it is. Yeah, I'm starting to get a feeling that it's going into a different world now. You're gonna just No, I'm I'm getting it I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting the vibes. I'm like Are listening you? to this and I'm like, I feel like I know what's gonna happen. But I just wanna wait. No, I think you're completely I feel like wrong. this whole thing is a fucking experiment. Like he's being fucked with. Or what if it's her evil twin? Okay, anyways. Okay. I think you're going to be pretty surprised. Anyway, okay, okay, okay. we will continue. Okay. I just had to add a hug and a kiss. Yeah. He's been watching her for six years, but she, she just met him. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not going to kiss you. That's weird. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me. Anyway, let's continue. I get you. Yeah. Still, I went into the surveillance room with a much lighter heart. I didn't have to worry or feel guilty anymore about not helping her, and there was some satisfaction in pulling one over on the people that had tricked me for so long. Besides, in three months, I would be done with this place and get to see Re Melanie again. In person, at least. Because I got to watch her on the video feed as soon as I came into work. She was asleep when I first got there, and I found myself wondering if she was as tired as I still felt. When she woke up later and started reading a book, I found myself beginning to smile and had to stop myself. I should still be worried acting, not smiling like I had a crush. I had to do better so Melanie didn't get in trouble. An hour or so later, she started working on another of quote-unquote her paintings. Watching her work, I was amazed at how real it all looked. It was hard to see everything from my angle. But I would have sworn she had paint on those brushes and was really painting whatever was on the canvas. 
I found myself feeling proud of her. She really was a great actress. Not only didn't I see her giving any clues that we had met or talked, but she really did seem different in the room than she had in my apartment. I suppose that was what she meant by, quote, playing a role. I was almost at the end of my shift, and while I hated to leave her, I had to admit that I was ready for some more sleep. Trying to guard my reactions all day had been exhausting, and I was dreading the next few weeks. But then I realized she was done painting. I expected her to just go and do something else, but instead she picked up the canvas at its edges and carefully walked over to the sofa. Her body was blocking it at first, but then she stepped aside. It was a painting of a massive tree. The bark was a dark red with a huge twisting trunk that broke off into a dozen branches. Those branches were covered in leaves that were so deep green they almost reminded me of storm clouds more than the top of a tree. Like all the paintings, I felt touched by it, even now that Melanie had told me she didn't paint them. The images themselves, combined with the colors and the small details, they really were amazing, just like this one. If you look close enough, you could see that there were several small blackbirds in the branches of the tree. It was funny, but they almost looked like they were... It almost looked like they were made out of words. I felt my heart start to hammer, and I forced myself to stay calm. No point in being silly. I knew it was all a game now, and I just had to play my part a little while longer. Still, the worried me would want to know what the words said, so I might as well try and read them. I squinted, following the birds right to left and top to bottom. That girl isn't me. (gasps) (laughs) I looked away from the painting to see Rachel staring up at me. She looked terrified. Oh no. I knew it wasn't her. <laughs> so I that, knew it was some sketch about that girl. So that was the end of part three. Now we're going to get into part four. We'll figure out what the fuck is going on. I had to do something, and I had to do it right now. If Melanie was somehow a fake, that meant they must have sent her. And if they sent her, that meant they knew. They knew about the messages in her painting. They knew about me asking questions, and they knew I didn't hit a button during any of it. I felt panic and fear crawling up my chest, making it hard to breathe. Standing up, I started pacing, periodically glancing back at the monitor to see if Rachel could help me, tell me what I needed to do next, but she had laid down on her bed. It was hard to tell for sure with her back to the camera, but I think she was crying. No, I needed to fix this. Get her out of there. And if I didn't have a better plan, I'd just have to go with the one I already had. Feeling the hard eye of the ceiling camera on me, I went to the door and stepped back into the locker room. My phone was in my locker, and after messing up the combination the first time, I got the door open and got it out. Gripping it tightly, I tried to hold it by my side casually, but I knew there was little point. If they knew everything, I wasn't going to be able to hide anything. I just had to try and be fast get some kind of message out to people that could help Rachel before they got to me. I opened the camera on the phone as I re-entered the surveillance room and hit record. It made a small beeping noise, and once I was sure it was recording, I turned the camera on myself. 
My name, my name is Tommy, Thomas Calhoun. My job is watching a woman trapped in a room. This is not a joke or a movie or whatever. This is real. For three years, my job is to sit in this room. I move the camera slowly around the room, taking in the door to the bathroom, the water cooler, the desk with the monitors, keyboard and button box. And watch a video feed of a woman locked up in a bedroom somewhere. I stepped closer to the desk and made sure the monitor showing Rachel was clear and in focus. I didn't know this woman was a prisoner at first, or I tricked myself into thinking she wasn't because the money was good. Either way, I know she is now. She is in danger, and so am I. After lingering on video of her for a few more seconds to make sure every detail could be seen, I turned the camera back on myself. I had to hurry, or the video might be too big to send quickly. I was trying to stay calm, but I felt myself tearing up as I went on, and I did my best to keep my words clear. Please help her. I don't know where she is. I don't know who has her, because I don't know who I really work for, but they are bad people, and she is not safe. All I know is that I work in a building right outside of San Antonio. I only know the names of two other people connected to this place, the man who hired me, Mr. Solomon, and a man who might have a job like mine, Charlie Jeffers, no, Jeffries, I think. I don't know if they are real people, I mean, I don't know if that's their real names. Please, I'm not crazy, I know how this sounds, just come here, see the room, figure out where she is, and help her, and... I heard the muffled sound of the outer door opening into the locker room and I frantically fumbled with the phone to stop the recording. How do I send? Oh no, how do I? Where is it? I hit the button to share, and felt a new panic rising. Who should I send it to? I had only a handful of contacts, and I just selected them all. Maybe at least one of them would take it seriously and get help. As I heard the door to the surveillance room opening behind it, me, I hit send. Not connected to data service or Wi-Fi. Please send again when connected. What? No, 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 no. I turned to see Mr. Solomon entering the room. He was flanked by two large men in dark suits that looked like bodyguards or something. Raising a finger, he wagged it at me. No service in here, Thomas. But then you should never need service in here, so long as you followed the rules. They took me easily. I tried to make it to the bathroom and close the door, but the two guards stopped me and pulled me down. They put the, what do you call them, zip ties on my hands and feet and pulled a black bag over my head. Then I was being carried out of the room and it felt like they must have put me in the back of a van that was pulled right up to the building. I was laying on what felt like thin, weird smelling carpet that covered a hard metal layer underneath. I heard someone getting I heard someone get into the van with me and I asked where we were going if they would just take me and let Rachel go There was a short laugh overhead and then Mr. Solomon's voice as he told me that he would explain everything when we got where we were going For now he said I needed to relax It was a long drive and I would need the rest I went to say more but then I felt a sharp pain in my neck they had stabbed me, or no, they injected me with something. 
I was feeling so strange now, but I had to stay awake. I had to try and get away. I had to... Hello again, Thomas. I blinked as I began looking around. My mouth was dry and my head hurt, but otherwise I felt okay. I wasn't tied up anymore. Instead, I was laying back on a padded table like I had seen when I went to the doctor. But this wasn't a doctor's office. The room was large, and aside from the padded table, it held a small bed, a desk with a computer monitor on it, and a couple of chairs. Sitting in one of those chairs was Mr. Solomon. I raised up slowly, blinking at him. Where is she? Is Rachel okay? The man smiled. You really are something, Thomas. Trying to be the hero, even if you don't quite know how. I respect that. Licking his lips, he leaned forward slightly. In fact, I respect that so much that I've decided to start our new relationship with as much honesty as I'm allowed. Some of my colleagues disagree with this approach, but you know what? Fuck them. This is my project, and I think you deserve to know what's been going on. Looking more serious, he stood up, lifting the gun he had been holding casually in his lap. But before we get into details, would you like to see Rachel? I slid off the table and nodded as I caught myself from falling. My legs were still wobbly from whatever they had given me, but I barely noticed. Yes, please. Let me see her. The real her. Mr. Solomon gave me a small laugh and gestured toward a nearby door. Yes, reality is always best. She's just in there in the next room. I stumbled my way forward, my legs getting better as I walked, and when I grabbed the doorknob, it turned easily. I expected the door to lead to her room, but instead it opened into another room, a lot like the one I had been in, though the stuff in it was different. Strange machines filled the walls, and in the back of the room was a large aquarium? I didn't know. It was a big cylinder, taller than I was, and it was filled with some kind of gray liquid. There was a shape in that liquid. Go ahead, Thomas. Feel free to go have a look. You've earned it. I felt my stomach clenching tighter at Mr. Solomon's words and the meanness in them. My legs felt heavy again now, but it wasn't from the drugs this time. Shuffling forward, I could see the shape was a person. Oh no. Or at least a body, because it was clear from just looking at it that the person was dead. It was very well preserved, but I could see how the skin hung wrong and looked bloated in spots. Oh god. No, no, no. Its hair, which had been floating like seaweed in front of its face, drifted away as I reached the glass, and I could see Rachel staring out at me. Murderer! I turned on Solomon and started to run toward him when he shot me. Suddenly, I was on the ground convulsing as he stepped closer. Don't worry, Thomas. It won't kill you. Just make you unable to move much for a bit. I heard more footfalls as my body began to still. Get him up, take him back to the other room. I could barely feel anything as I was carried back to the padded table and propped up into a sitting position. This time, I was strapped down, but I guessed it was more so I didn't fall off because I couldn't move anything other than my head, and even that just a little. 
I could hardly see at all for crying, but I recognized the blurry shape of Solomon sitting back down in front of me. Before you ask, well, when you are able to ask anything again, yes, that is Rachel. Not a fake Rachel, not a dummy, and not some kind of trick. As I said, the time for tricks is past. Now it's time for truth. Frowning slightly, he went on. Thomas, I understand that showing you that, showing you her body that way might seem very cruel. You may hate me for it right now. I would understand it if you did, but you called me a murderer, and at least in this specific context, I think that is unfair, because I didn't kill Rachel. In truth, I've been with this aspect of the project for only seven years. He gestured back to the door behind him, and Rachel has been dead for over eight. I felt my eyes widen as though they belonged to someone else's body. It was more lies, more tricks, all of it. God, it had to be. Do you know what remote viewing is? He rolled his eyes. Sorry, right, you can't talk right now. I'll just assume you don't. Remote viewing is a broad term for the ability to see things that are far away from you physically, to know things you shouldn't be able to know through your normal five senses. Some describe it as a psychic ability, so there are several schools of thought as to how and why it works. His eyes fixed on mine intently. Because it does work, Thomas. Various governments and private organizations have studied it for a very long time, and while publicly it is always ridiculed as pseudoscience and foolish superstition, the reality is that some people have the innate ability, that means it comes naturally, to somehow see other places. Rachel was one of those people. She came into the program when she was 17, having been identified via a front-facing screening process that was ran as a psychological test that paid subjects well at a time when Rachel was looking to make some money. Three months after being identified as a good candidate, she was taken, and after the initial adjustment period, she became a largely compliant asset that quickly rose to the top of our talent pool. Solomon folded his hand on his knee. I know you cared for her, Thomas, so I think this is worth sharing. Rachel was never treated badly, other than her confinement and the occasional test that was mildly unpleasant. No, we all treasured her. She was enormously talented, not just as a remote viewer, but as an artist. That's how she would convey what she saw, you understand. She would enter into an almost trance-like state when she painted. And when she was done, she would have given us a painting of images and words that provided, well, it was very valuable information. He chuckled. If you've ever wondered, that's why there was always such care that the paintings were never shown to the camera. Picking at his pants, he went on. Rachel was so talented that she selected that she was selected for a new program that we thought might greatly enhance or alter her ability. We introduced something foreign into her body. At first, nothing seemed to change. If anything, the accuracy of her remote viewing was declining, which was a problem for us and for her. But then we realized that we were reading the new paintings wrong. She was able to see more clearly than ever, 
She just was no longer bound to only current events. Now her sight transcended time. He paused, and I realized he was enjoying telling the story. The bastard was having a good time, pausing to make it more dramatic. I would fucking kill him. While this made some of her paintings less immediately useful, they became much more valuable as we were able to decipher them. For a time, it looked as though everything was working better than we had ever hoped. His lips thinned. And then, one day, she showed a painting to the camera. It said, Please help me, Thomas. This immediately sent up all kinds of red flags. She knew... She knew not to show paintings to the camera, and now she was trying to communicate with someone. We didn't disrupt her routine, but an intensive investigation began into who she was talking to. Was it one of her handlers, one of the technicians, someone from her past life? But nothing checked out. Leaning back in his chair, a look of pride grew on Solomon's face as he continued. I was the one that first suggested the idea that she was intentionally or not, knowingly or not, seeing and talking to someone in the future. I was still an outside consultant at the time, but by that point we had more strange behaviors from her, including the second message painting, That Girl Isn't Me. My theory made some sense, but it very quickly ran into a greater obstacle. The introduction of the foreign material had not been as seamless as we had hoped, despite her having been stable for almost three years since it was implanted, whether it was due to her increasing emotional upset and stress, or simply the passage of time, she suddenly began to deteriorate. Her work became more erratic and hard to understand as her body began to decline. We were monitoring her health closely, but it didn't matter. Five days after she painted That Girl Isn't Me, she suddenly went into cardiac arrest and died. Somewhat inexplicably, we were unable to resuscitate her. The man sighed. This was a great loss, and it required adjustments of my theory. Based on everything we knew, it still made sense that she was talking to someone. Someone with access to the camera feed, and very likely someone named Thomas. If Thomas was viewing that camera footage in the future, as I believed, then he must be working for us in the future. He gave me a thin smile, and whether you believed that the future is set in stone or not, I'm all for giving it a helping hand. Seven years ago, I began the Thomas Project. Over the course of that time, I have overseen the screening and hiring of 43 men named Thomas at several different sites, all with one very specific job, to watch the videos of Rachel from just before her implant to the time of her death. I tried to speak, but my mouth still wouldn't work. I wanted to say that he was lying, that it didn't make sense, but that it was another trick. But I think I wanted to hear it more for myself. Because I didn't think he was lying. I didn't think it was a trick, and I thought I was starting to understand. The point was really them watching the videos, of course. It was how they reacted to watching the videos what they did, and how that matched up with what Rachel had done in response in the past. 13% quit after the first day. 38% hit either the red or the green button after the first message asking for help and saying their name. 
22% attempted to contact the authorities before reaching the stage where Melanie was introduced. He shook his head slightly. I wish I could take credit for her. I wish I could take credit for her introduction, but it wasn't my suggestion. We assumed from the that girl isn't me message that there was a double of Rachel introduced to you at some point, perhaps to kill you or dissuade you or find out what you knew. But it took a few tries until we felt it was well refined, and as I've pointed out, only 27% made it that far. And all of them failed the next test. He pointed at me. Her name. You see, the girl you've been watching, that talented, wonderful girl whose body is preserved in the next room, her name was Rachel Donovan. I had always wondered if Rachel was merely seeing you or if there was some kind of connection between the two of you. When you called Melanie Rachel, I knew that we had finally found the right Thomas the distant point of light that our Rachel was looking at across space and time. I swallowed thickly and found I could feel my tongue, if only a little. Slurring badly, I pushed out a single word. Why? Solomon looked surprised. I'd have thought that'd be clear by now. Your only remaining link to one of our greatest treasures. Perhaps you have a similar ability. Or it may be that she forged the link purely through her own talent and will. But either way, you are important and you have more work to do. He stood up and moved over to the table where he'd turned on the monitor. As it came to life, I saw it was a frozen image of Rachel's room. A tape paused where I had left off watching. Turning back to me, the man looked solemn. You have to watch the rest of it. Because Rachel painted you more pictures before she died, and we have to know what they mean. Wow. And that's the end of part four. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I told you. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, it's I will... It's sad that she's dead. It is, yes, it is sad. But we will learn more in the finale, um, and that will be uploaded next week. We'll find out what actually happens. All right, well, how does she know Thomas? She has an ability. Yeah, but who? How does? How did he know that her name was Rachel? He has an ability too. Well, I guess we'll find out in the next episode. All right, thanks for listening, guys. If you haven't already, go check out our Patreon. Yep, there's a whole bunch of stuff on there. Yep, bunch of cool stuff. We're posting more and more as the weeks go by. Mm-hmm. The link is in the show notes. Also, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. We would appreciate it. All right, and I think that's it. I think that's everything. Yep, the link to the story will be in the show notes as well. Don't read ahead. That's cheating. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's it. Thanks for uh, listening. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. <laughs>